Welcome to Fertility Ain't Fair, the podcast, a community that acknowledges that all fertility is not created equal. No matter where you are on your fertility journey, or if you are a supporter in fertility, you are welcome. Real, raw, unfiltered, this is Fertility Ain't Fair. So let's talk. Welcome to the first episode of Fertility Ain't Fair, the podcast. I am your host, Britt, and I'm so excited to start this new journey with you. And today I am choosing to release myself from years of guilt, shame, fear, anxiety, depression, anger, the list could go on. And I am redefining my story when it comes to my infertility. This is my coming out party, y'all. So go ahead and cue the champagne and the balloons and the confetti because this has been years in the making and I am finally ready. I'm ready to talk and keep it all the way real when it comes to infertility. Um, So let's start with my introduction so you can get to know a little about who I am. And like, you know, how I got here and and kind of where I am right now in my journey. So how I identify is um, as a media professional by day, um, daughter, sister, aunt, wife, bonus mom, entrepreneur, a creative, and I am an infertility advocate and sufferer. Whew. I am giving myself a moment of pause because it has taken me several years to be able to say that last bit publicly. And it really is like a weight lifted off of my chest. And so the reason I did not mention the infertility part first um, as how I identify is because I am no longer in a space where I'm going to allow my diagnosis to define me. You know, it's not all of who I am. It's obviously a very large part of me, and now I am getting more comfortable talking openly about my struggles, but let's be clear. It's not who I am or what I am 100%. So now I give you the permission, if you have not already done so, to release yourself from feeling defined by your struggle. You are whole. You are perfect. You are wonderful the way you are today. And let me just say, as as a girl in the struggle with you, this is not going to make you and it's definitely not going to break you. So I just want us to have that little moment together before we hopped into anything else to just take a deep breath and be exactly where we are today. So let me tell you all why I started Fertility Ain't Fair. So at the time, I was in a place where I just needed to give myself space to just be. And I could be, you know, where I could be sad or happy or stressed or jealous or or whatever the feeling was. I just had to create my own safe space because I was not in a place where I was ready to open up to others or even, you know, jump into the virtual communities of support that I'm in now. And so I just felt like I needed to like create my own bubble to just be in the the moments that I was having because they were difficult. Um, I also found that fair and fertility do not really coexist, right? Like every time 
I was in the waiting room at my clinic, I realized how true this was. Like fertility does not care about your race or your age or your socioeconomic status, you know, religion, or even if you could be the best mom on the planet, it doesn't care. And so one day I just kept thinking, this ain't fair. So here we are, because it's not. And so we're here to talk about it. And that's what we're all here to do is support one another as we talk about how unfair this journey can be, but also how beautiful it can be in the end. So let me give you guys a little bit of context as to where my journey began and where I am now. My now husband and I, in 2017, we were dating, we were newly engaged, and we were like, hey, to hell with birth control. You know, we know what's coming next for us. You know, God, God willing, we're going to, you know, buy a home and get married and et cetera. And so we were like, hey, we're okay with opening up the possibility of starting our own family. Um, Also important to note, my husband has two amazing daughters from previous relationships, and we'll definitely have more on that um, in a future episode with myself and my husband. But in terms of starting our family unit, we were really excited about that opportunity. So I stopped birth control in like August or September of 2017. And let me tell y'all, I already had the private Pinterest page ready to roll. Okay. I had holiday, you know, baby announcements saved. And I was like, okay, you know, in theory, this could be real, right? You get off birth control, you, you get to it. Um, you know, give or take a couple months, we could have an announcement coming up. And I was like, well, if not, you know, 2017, then definitely, right? 2018, top of the year or something, you know, I had all kind of months saved for, you know, seasonal baby announcements. Um, And of course, they usually say, you know, give it a full year of trying naturally. So month after month, that's what we did. And then, you know, it got to the point where we started doing, you know, timed ovulation and intercourse. I got the ovulation kits. I got the app to track everything and nothing. So in between, you know, these months, I was battling with reoccurring ovarian cysts, multiple fibroids, because if there's one thing that we all know, fibroids love us black and brown girls. Um, So dealing with that. And then also the fact that I am a very heavy and painful period sufferer. So most of my life and definitely all of my adult life, I have had very heavy periods um, that are very, very painful. And I had no idea at that time or all this time up until a couple of years ago that endometriosis was also what I was battling with, but I'll get to that later. So the months continued and I finally had um, an appointment with my doctor, OBGYN appointment with my doctor, who's a new doctor, which I was hating because my doctor was everything, but she had left the practice. But this was the first appointment that I had ever had a mention of an issue, like a potential, you know, there could be a medical issue as to why you are not having, you know, um, easy luck with, with getting pregnant. And so she said something like, you may have a blocked fallopian tube. And I was just like, what? You know, I didn't know what to do with that information. I was so green and that I had no idea that that was even an issue or a common issue or anything. I really did not know what that meant. And I didn't know what to do. I'm sitting here, right? She leaves the room. I'm left to get, you know, redressed. 
And I'm sitting there in the cold room, bare butt, you know, um, in my gown. And I'm just like, the tears start coming because it sounds like it could be an issue, but I really don't know. And now I'm nervous and I'm scared. But I, you know, I walked out of that room and like left that tidbit of information right there. I just left it in that room. And of course she had said, you know, we would need a second opinion. We would need to get further tests done, et cetera. So I left that there and moved on. So at the end of 2018, I finally had that, that changing of the course appointment. I was back to my, um, uh, previous OBGYN. I was so glad. I was like, Hey girl, I'm back. And she was at a new practice. And at that point she said, Hey, look, it's been a year. We've given our best shot with, with what, what we can do right naturally. And so I want to refer you to a local fertility clinic with a amazing reputation. And the doctor there who I want you to see, um, he and I have worked side by side for 17 years. He's fantastic. He always gets my pregnancy patient. My sorry, he always gets my uh, patients pregnant. So I was like, "Oh, not a problem, girl. I'm there. Let's do it." Um, and you know, at that time, I was like, "Okay, that's kind of scary, right? To to be diagnosed as infertile. It's a scary word that I didn't think was going to be part of my journey because who really thinks that when they're starting this journey?" Um, and so I was a little bit panicky, a little bit anxious a little sad, but also I felt a lot of hope and that she had said, he always gets my patients pregnant. So I was like, all right, girl, I'm up for the challenge. Let's give it three months and see what happens. I'll be back here in no time with the baby. So 2019 comes around. I give my doctor, we do a couple rounds of medicated cycles with Clomid and Clomid was definitely my infertility gateway drug. It was my first. Um, I know for a lot of us, Clomid is probably one of the first stops on your journey that you make, um, whether it's with or without um, like an IUI process. But at first it was just using Clomid and timing, you know, ovulation, timing intercourse, good times, right? Like who doesn't love timed intercourse? Um, and so we had to keep it fun because it gets tiring and, you know, you have to obviously do the deed um, on cue, but you know, it's not fun. So you have to keep it fun and keep it cute. And I bought outfits and bought wigs and did all kind of stuff to make timed intercourse uh, very, very fun, as fun as it can be, right? And so then after a few months, he was like, all right, let's let's get in here a little bit more. Let's dive a little deeper. Let's figure out what's going on. And at that point, he said, you know, let's do a dye test. So a dye test, for those of you who don't know, essentially you are inserting um, a, a catheter, you know, right up right on up in there. Um, and you are shooting dye, you know, dark blue dye or whatever the color is dye, you know, into your cervix uterus. And it, it makes sure that your fallopian tubes are actually open. And you literally see it on the screen. This dye is running through your body and coming out of your fallopian tubes. Except in my case, on my right side, nothing was happening. It was stopping, nothing was there. And so that confirmed that I actually did have a blocked tube. And so go back a year ago to when that random doctor who I just went to for the first time said, you may have a blocked tube, but I left that there. It all came back for me immediately. And I was like, holy hell, like it's real. It's, she was right. 
Um, and so the test is uncomfortable, right? But nothing is as uncomfortable as, as getting that kind of information, which once again, I wasn't prepared for it. I left that shit a year ago in a doctor's office and I was hoping that maybe that wasn't the case. So I was uh, sad. I was a little devastated, even though, you know, I was told in theory, it's not the end of the world, right? Like you only need one functioning tube to conceive without IVF. It may take you longer. It, it may, you know, et cetera. But we had no way to guarantee at that time that the open tube was of good quality. So it was just kind of like, hey, but now we know, right? So knowledge is power, all of that. And so after a couple more medicated tries, my doctor said, hey, now I think it's time for us to consider surgery to remove that block tube. Because his point was, it's not going to do you any favors. It may actually be harming your chances. So let's get it out the way. Let's remove anything that we can see that could be a hindrance in your journey. So, you know, I call my OBGYN. I said, girl, he wants to cut me. <laughs> what should I do? And she said, Britt, if, if that's what he's suggesting, I trust him 100%. So I said, okay, I got your blessing. I gave to God, had surgery. So it goes well, which is great. Um, and I'll definitely have an episode about that. But it went well in terms of what needed to be done. I got my surgery, removed the tube. They also actually got a couple of fibroids up out of there while they were in there. But then I also found out, right, the very heavy periods, right? endometriosis is absolutely a part of my story, um, which explained, obviously, the several, many, multiple years of painful, painful periods, um, the damage to all my fallopian tubes. So there's that. And I'll be honest, once I came to, right, and I realized what they were telling me, um, and after probably a couple of days of being in actual pain. Um, I, I was angry and I was sad because I was angry at myself first, I'll be honest, because I felt like I did not do a good enough job of advocating for myself when it came to how bad my periods were. I always chalked it up to that's just how my body is. I'm just one of the unlucky girls with heavier or bad periods. My mom always said, well, your grandma had bad periods, you know, and so that's just how it is. And so I don't blame her either. Right. But like we didn't know my grandma probably had endo and had no idea and had fibroids and had no idea. So, you know, I don't know. But I was mad at myself for not advocating for myself more to get more answers as to why I can't get out of bed or go to school or go to work for the first, you know, one to two days of my period, which is not normal. Also mad that no one in my medical circle, as amazing as they have been, said to me, hey, this is what endo is. This is what it feels like. Do you think you might have some of the same symptoms? Right. But nonetheless, surgery helped to get, you know, me clarity and information. So once again, knowledge is power. So after all of this, this is the first two years, it was time to heal physically from surgery, obviously inside and out, but also start the process of trying to heal and grapple emotionally with the last two years of what is absolutely trauma and grief. And in the moment, I don't think I saw it as trauma or grief, but it really, really was. 
And also I wanted to be able to enjoy all the rest of my 2019 because our wedding was coming up in November of that year. So I wanted to have time to enjoy my bridal shower and my bachelorette and have an amazing wedding and not be so wrapped up in this because this takes so much mental and emotional capacity that it's hard to, to get other things or to enjoy other things, right? So, so I healed. I took my break from any further treatments for the year. And I ended the year, you know, ready to take on 2020. Like I'm coming back fresh, coming in hot, y'all. So I call top of the year to my clinic. I'm ready to roll. Let's be honest. A lot of us thought 2020 was going to be our year for multiple reasons, right? It's going to be our year. So I call and they tell me, hey, Dr. So-and-so, he retired, unfortunately, while I was on break. <laughs> and so I was like, how dare he retire? He owes me a baby. Um, but at that point, I said, hey, is there a woman on staff? So I got assigned in a wonderful woman who was my current doctor there. And we had to restart the process all over again because we had to make sure I heal from surgery and get a new baseline and start new labs. And both of us had to get checked out and tested again and started literally all over again. And also do genetic testing this, this path this time. So that's a few months that go by. And then as you all know what happened next, Miss Corona Girl shows up and just starts to wreak havoc on everyone's lives. And the world stopped. And my heart went out to each and every person, woman, couple, et cetera, who was in the middle of any active fertility treatments when the world shut down or who was pregnant or had who had to give birth alone because their spouse or partner or friend or mom or whoever could not be in their room with them due to COVID. I love you. You're, you're, you're a soldier. Um, but after we all adapted and regrouped and, and found ways to, you know, get ourselves back in safely to the office, um, we started, you know, IUIs. And so we did three IUIs in 2020, one IUI in 2021, just for good measure. And here we are. And so our last talk with our doctor was a few weeks ago and we said, okay, IVF, I think is next. So, you know, now you're all caught up on this crazy up and down journey in a nutshell that I will absolutely break down in, in future episodes. But just so you know a little bit about where, where I am, where we are, um, you know, I, I intend to talk about our journey and the journey of others in our tribe. Um, and also chat with professionals, both in the medical and mental health field, um, talk to grief specialists, et cetera, because there are so many very real seen and unseen consequences of infertility and the side effects of infertility. And I want us to dive into all of those things in a very honest, transparent conversation. And one thing I've realized, like every time I have opened up to someone like in or out of my circle, good things have actually happened, like a connection, a referral, a support in some kind of way. And that's why I'm here. That's why this podcast is now alive. And I'm birthing this out to you all um, is because I want to share, I want to connect, and I want to make sure that anyone that I can come across, whether it's virtually or in person, doesn't have the same feelings of isolation and shame that I have held on to for far too long. So, you know, if my mission here is to normalize the conversations around infertility, 
and reproductive health and motherhood, then we have to start the process of breaking down those walls and just doing it. So here we are, we're doing it. And so today has been a really big step for me, you guys, and I hope to have you back on future episodes of Fertility Ain't Fair, the podcast. But in the meantime, make sure to follow us on IG and Facebook at Fertility Ain't Fair and check out our merch. The link's in the bio to our IG page with more items to be coming soon. So until next time, I am your friend in fertility. Stay hopeful. Thank you for listening to Fertility Ain't Fair, the podcast. Our mission is to normalize the conversations around infertility, reproductive health, and motherhood for all. Make sure to follow us on social media and share our podcast wherever you listen.